I'm Mandy B. Anderson, and you're listening to the She Who Overcomes podcast, the weekly show that helps you spark hope and creativity for your life and business. In case we've never met before, I'm the chief creative officer and a leadership coach at a company called Rayma Team. I love coffee dates and books, stiletto shoes, running, kayaking, and I just happen to be living with a disease called cystic fibrosis. I'm sharing my story as well as the stories of people from around the world to help you rise up with hope-filled action. Grab your coffee and let's hang out. Before we dive into this brand new episode that I know you're going to love, I wanted to remind you that we are in the final two weeks of the Dangerous Hope pre-order campaign. What does that mean? Well, it means that you've only got two more weeks to take advantage of pre-ordering my new book, Dangerous Hope, and getting in on the amazing bonuses that I have put together just for you during this time frame. So go to www.dangerousHopeBook.com to pre-order one copy, two copies, five or more. If you get the five copy bonus, you actually get access to the Build Hope Library, an exclusive online library with videos and downloads that I have put together especially for you. And if you get 15 copies or more, you get personal coaching sessions for you and or your team and organization and business. And you could even donate these to your favorite nonprofit who might need some coaching, some one-on-one virtual training for their team, even a keynote speaker for their next event. So go to dangeroushopebook.com right now to take advantage of all of those pre-order bonuses and pick the one that is perfect for you. Again, that link is www.dangerousshopebook.com. Dangerousshopebook.com. It ends on November 11th at 11 a.m. Central. So don't wait, guys. And thanks for the support. I cannot wait to get this book into your hands. Okay, grab your coffee and let's dive into this brand new episode with a guest that I know you're going to love hearing from. Hey, Overcomers, welcome to another episode of the She Who Overcomes podcast. My guest today is my brand new friend of 2020, Patrick. Kirby. He is the founder of Do Good Better Consulting and the author of the book Fundraise Awesomer. So Patrick, welcome to the show. I I appreciate you having me on. And yes, a friend of 2020. This is great. Um, And and side note to your audience, um, we probably should have met each other a decade ago. Oh, totally. Completely. And yet yet (laughs) here we are uh, 10 years into the mix Finally, yes, to uh, getting to meet up. So I, I appreciate you. Uh, yes. Show. Well, this is technically our second podcast episode together because a couple months ago I was on your podcast as a guest. Mm-hmm. Um, so go check that out. It's the official Do Good Better podcast, right? 
It is, yes. Yes. So go check that out on on Apple Podcasts as well, listeners, because um, Patrick has enthusiasm and excitement for life that is is rare. I don't see this that often. You know, there's positive and then there's excitement. And that's what I love about Patrick. So if you if you are watching any video clips, you'll be able to see it. But if you're not and you're just hearing my voice, then um, just imagine like the most excited, happy person on the face of the planet who wants to help you fundraise awesomer. That yes, 100%. And it's not all caffeine induced. I, I, I mean, it's a, a big good portion. Know. I usually wake up this way. If, if you give me like 15 minutes to wake up and I will mm-hmm. be uh, on and much to, much to the uh, chagrin of my, uh, my, my wife and kids who need a little bit of quiet time in the morning. Yes. To get used to this. That's how I am. Yeah. But if I've been awake for an hour and I've had my coffee, I can be really, especially if I'm around people, then I, yes. I get more excited. Oh man, it's uh, it's a bad deal. This is why I think we've bonded so well. Yes. Personality-wise, this is just matches. <laughs> I think so too. So before we dive into a great conversation today that I think is really going to be helpful to anybody who is the leader at a in an organization where fundraising is at the heart of what they do, or is even the founder of an organization where fundraising is at the heart of what they do. I have to ask you the one question I ask every single guest, and that is this. If you were a shoe, what would you be? And what story does that say about you? Oh, cool. Um, So if I could choose any shoe, can this be a boot? Yeah, any shoe you want. Okay, well then I would um, I would pick a, uh, a, a Doc Martin, probably a custom Doc Martin. Um, which has like a cool thing, possibly a Seattle uh, skyline on the mm-hmm. bottom. I was obsessed, still am, with uh, 90s grunge music. I was going to say, bringing it back to the 90s, man. Oh my gosh, it was great. I uh, that's, I fell in love with uh, with music back then, like just mm-hmm. real hardcore music. Uh, Alice in Chains being my favorite band of all time, and I own everything they've ever produced ever. And um, I don't know why it was simpler. But I, re- I distinctly remember, because uh, I graduated in like 1998, mm-hmm. old, hence the gray hair. Dude, you're um, only two years older than me. I know. Well, but once you hit the 40 mark, it's just, it's all, it's it, a lot of hurt in places <laughs> you shouldn't uh, well, waking up. Yes, but I, I remember, hear that. Yeah. But I, rem- I just remember that being um, such an awesome like time for the like, earwigs of just amazing songs. And every time I hear it, I feel good about like, oh man, I remember this. I have flashbacks to the first concerts I went to, the first places, and it all stems from Seattle music and uh, Doc Martin boots and wearing flannels with shorts. And I just remember that all the time. I think it says I am, uh, I, I am a, a believer that it, there's great music in any generation, great. Uh, but I hold I hold true that that is a the best music genre of all time. Maybe okay. outside of two thousands pop punk, yeah, which is that's an uh, alternatively the best. Yeah, um, and but it was this really weird transition period where you went from like um, hardcore, uh, you know, glam metal to grunge, and there's this really interesting transition period of uh, from like this Guns N' Roses rock to Nirvana and, and Pearl Jam and, and Soundgarden. And um, I always refer to that. That's a, a great transition period in my life. When I went from high school to college, it was a great uh, transition of music period. Um, and I just remember that that being a little more seamless than I thought it was going to be. 
And that kind of just shaped a lot of, of who I am personality wise and sort of bridged a lot of gaps. And so I, I'm going to go with that. I love that because not only did you paint the picture of what the shoe is and anybody who grew up in the nineties, the moment you said it, we were back there. We were like, Oh yeah, yeah. Doc Martens. Those were the things to have. Um, but you also tied it into this nostalgic music feeling of that time in your life. So, um, and I have a feeling that we could rant about this for a really long time because you like passion just flowed out of you as you talked about that. It's the best. I remember, I remember standing in line trying to get a um, record of an album, like a, an Alice in Chains album that they released a week earlier on vinyl. I didn't even have like a record player. I bought the vinyl <laughs> because it came out a week early and then found somebody who had a record player to mm-hmm. play the album a week in advance. And I thought I was the coolest human being on, on the planet. You probably were the coolest human being on the planet because vinyl, like that was where it, where it was at. Yes. I, for yes. me, vinyl is like, I think of Amy Grant and uh, for some reason, Mary Poppins, because my, my grandma had Mary Poppins on vinyl, like the soundtrack of it. And that's what I would listen to as a kid. Yes. So oh, awesome. I love it. I Be love great. that power of being able to, to just ramble off a story of our life and get to know each other a little bit better. Okay. Um, which is something everybody that comes on the show, on the show, especially men, they're like, why are you asking me about shoes? Like, I don't get it. But it's just this one little simple question that opens up a world of information about who somebody is and what makes them tick. So I love it. It's a great question. Love I it. I love it. So let's dive into, first of all, when did you start your company and how did you get started? Um, I am a little over three years um, as of a couple weeks ago. So uh, three years old. Um, I started it um, because when I was working at my last um, big boy job, I was uh, asked by a lot of smaller nonprofits to kind of give them some help and advice doing some fundraising work. And uh, I would just kind of come in and see where they were. And I would give them advice of me being around fundraising for a decade or so. And I fell in love with that uh, light bulb moment in the process, right? So it was the, uh, hey, what are you doing here? And kind of giving them some some tips and pointers and best practices that I've seen in the decade that I was uh, being a professional fundraiser in. And they would always have a light bulb moment, like, oh, I never thought of that. Or, oh, that's a great idea. And that is, to someone who's a personality of just like a high eye, mm-hmm. that is, that's the drug of choice right there. Like, oh, you, you, you think yeah. my idea is great and you're giving me praise for this? My God, I have to have this all the time. But I realized that uh, a lot of the nonprofits that I was talking with or working with just really didn't know where to start. They were just really confused on, there's a, a, they got 20,000 things they need to do, but they didn't know really that first step. And I was able to give them clarity or confirmation about what they were doing right what they were spending time that was uh, maybe a time suck or a time waste within the fundraising world mm-hmm. based on experience that I had. And, um, and I was able to help in a relatively short period of time, a lot of nonprofits. And that got me to thinking, I'm like, well, if I could do this now, and I'm doing this as a side because I'm doing a couple of favors, I wonder if I can make a business out of it. And so that's when it began to start sinking in uh, about four or five years ago that I think I could make a business out of this. Now, how to make money in the, in the, in the nonprofit realm was a mystery to me. Mm-hmm. My business plan was a lot of made up things, um, but I knew there was something there. I really did. Mm-hmm. And, and what have you seen this year 
because now that you've been in this, you have years of experience of working with nonprofits. Um, what have you seen this year when it comes to the nonprofits you've worked with and the major challenges that they've had? Because if, if there's ever a year for not only businesses, but nonprofits especially to sink or swim, 2020 yeah. would be it. So what, yeah. what can you share with my listeners about the challenges you've seen and some, some of the things that you have helped them move forward in? Great question. Uh, confidence is one. I think confidence is a great um, issue currently where the confidence to call a donor and ask them for, for a donation, the confidence to pick up the phone and ask them how they're doing and not ask them for money. Now I'll go back to a couple of those things. Cause I think there's, there, there are two distinct ways, right? Mm -hmm. One, I think a lot of people don't assume they want to give, right? So the, a lot of nonprofits are like, I don't know. I don't think our donor base wants to give us any money because they're probably hurting themselves. That might be true. Um, but they also, donors in general, want to make the world a better place. They want to help the organizations that they, they love with, they love, and they want to help, but they don't know how because nobody's asking them, right? Nobody's giving them direction and clear advice on in order to do the things that we want to make an impact on our community, we need help here, here, and here. Would you consider helping us? And there's most people will say yes. It might not be at the level that they've normally given but they want to help so bad because it makes them feel good. Because I think a lot of people are feeling hopelessness right now on how mm -hmm. they can, you know, whatever they're doing, they're feeling hopelessness. This gives them an avenue of becoming hope, giving hope, which then lessens their hopelessness in their life. And then they feel better about what they're doing. We're programmed to feel good about giving. Right. Um, so I think uh, some confidence in asking people for money and then uh, really it's being confident to ask people how they're doing and not make an ask, right? So I think there's a time and a place to make solicitations. And there's a time and a place just to go back to your donors and just ask them how they're doing, what their updates are, how, how organizations can help their donors that have gotten them along the way. And asking them like, how are you doing? How can I help you? How can we be of service to you as you have been serviced to, uh, or how you've given service to us? Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's so fascinating because when I hear these things, you know, I have the point of view of helping um, as an advocate for the Cystic Fibrosis Foundation and the Cystic Fibrosis Association. But also I hear it from the point of view of the business owner, because really the challenges are not any different. You, you always have to have the confidence to ask for the sale and to ask how your, your, tribe is doing. They are two different things. Sometimes they can happen at the same time, depending on the relationship, but they are the same thing. Um, like they, they are the same type of challenge that businesses are having as well. So you said, you know, so far this year, you saw the confidence thing. Was there, what, what type of challenges have you specifically heard people saying when it comes to pivoting to the online world? Mm, yeah. Um, it is, uh, you know, bonding with people personally, right? There's a, this is a very touchy feely, uh, personal thing giving is right. I think a lot of, uh, fundraisers are extroverts who want to hug and high five and be close and have face-to-face -face meetings, which is the best way to fundraise by the way. And that has been taken away. 
So how to translate enthusiasm, we were talking about that at the top of the show, how do you translate enthusiasm and passion and love and um, accomplishment through the world of Zoom, right? It's right. very difficult because you sit on these things all day. You're listening to people drone on. They're not performers at heart, right? So you're, 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 it's droll and it's boring. And then you've got to be expected to turn it on in an instant and build rapport with somebody over the digital waves. Mm -hmm. That's very difficult and can be very disheartening for those who are, who have built their personality on one-on-one -on -one meetings and building rapport face-to-face -face and over a cup of coffee and, and bonding over lunch or a dinner. So that has been a very big challenge for a lot of nonprofits. Mm -hmm. And what, what are some of the ways that you have helped them with that? Because on the one hand, you can teach that. There are skills that you can teach to help grow in that area. On the other hand, you can't teach a new personality. So how do you help people work within the um, confinements of their team of different personalities? Yep. Um, one thing is to be genuinely interested in the well-being of others. And I think you can teach that. And that's a trainable trait. Like, listen, ask, what, ask what's going on in their life first. I think it's a good sales technique, first of all. I think it, you can learn a lot about a person and their current situation by asking them how things are. And not just saying, how are you doing? right? Um, if you know about their family, how is your family doing? Is everybody healthy and, and well with you? Um, how is your community handling some of this, right? Dig deeper and ask better questions. I think you can train on that. Uh, and I think then really the other thing is, is knowing your limitations and, and being authentic. I think people will respond much better to an introvert who's trying to ask how people are doing than it is to put on um, put on a show that you're just uncomfortable with, which is, you know, I don't like talking in, in, in a virtual environment, so I'm just going to, but I'm going to pretend to be. And I think people can call out a lot of mm -hmm. that uh, BS a lot. Um, but I think authenticity means more than ever. It uh, means things. Uh, it means more to be authentic now than ever before. Mm -hmm. Period. And I think if you are an introvert who's trying, that mm -hmm. authenticity is going to shine. If you are uh, an extrovert, I think it is, having a video of you while you talk so that you can show, you can show your face. Mm -hmm. um, you don't have to be overly enthusiastic about maybe an important topic that comes up and you can catch yourself in, uh, in the video form. So it's a great platform. The zoom platform is great to record and do this because you can see yourself. Mm -hmm. And I think that's going to help online, uh, whether you're in sales or fundraising or anything in between, making sure that you're authentically honest uh, in, in, in response as well too. Mm -hmm. These are, these really are like basic sales tips 101. And I think that people just, um, you can kind of have like online burnout because everything yeah. is online lately. And, um, it's, it really is that fascinating, um, I don't want to say balance, but I can't think of a better word for it because it really is kind of, you have to have good habits and good boundaries between how often you're online, what you're doing online, are you being intentional online, and that that opportunity to practice your own skills. Uh, for instance, we have, um, we have a friend who 
Um, we recently heard speak like before things shut down back in March. I was at this event with with women in Jamestown, North Dakota, and one of the speakers at that event um, was a counselor who does a lot of voiceover work, but does not like actually speaking in front of a crowd. So she she started the entire like she started her presentation saying that, and then she said because of that. I'm actually going to read you what I want to say today, and I'm going to sit on this couch so that I don't pass out. And I have to tell you the way that she spoke, and because she was so honest, first of all, what that did is it set up in our minds that, okay, we want to cheer her on because she's being honest about the fact that this is growing her skills and it's uncomfortable for her. Mm -hmm. Second of all, we didn't have this expectation of her being something she wasn't because she already told us. Yep. And- Third, her message rang so loud and true that it connected with every single person sitting in that room because of the fact that she she was able to speak from the heart in a way that was pushing through the fear and the vulnerability of, of doing something that she was uncomfortable doing, but caring enough about her message to make sure that it was heard even though she was scared. And I think that's something that all nonprofits can learn from. I think so too. And I think being honest about this is being an, this is an awkward situation. Mm -hmm. And I really wish we could have coffee in person. Um, but I know we can't because yep. I value your safety and the safety of others. And I really do think that we need to have this. Mm -hmm. Now that does not mean that what we're doing at our organization doesn't matter and is super important, which is why I'm reaching out to you today. So as weird as this is, I still value you as a person and as a donor. And I wanted to reach out to you and chat. Mm -hmm. I think it's a great lead in line. The mm -hmm. other thing that's really interesting too, and what you made me think about is what is what was old is new again. Yes. From fundraising, right? Phone calls, picking up the phone and using the supercomputer we have in our pocket to pick up the phone and have conversations is as viable, if not more viable than a Zoom call at this point, because people are tired of being on Zoom, right? You got Zoom yep. burnout. So picking up the phone and having a conversation is something cool and unique and old school. And yet people like it because they don't have to sit down. They can pace mm -hmm. in their own house. They can go outside and they can do this. I think that's really interesting. Written appeals um, are, are, are in vogue now. So writing something and getting something in the mail physically, yes. even if you're having a virtual event, getting something physical while you are watching something online is super important. There's this textural thing that to, that's going to personalize mm -hmm. a lot of um, things digitally. And more important than ever uh, is a handwritten thank you note. Mm -hmm. Not necessarily about the gift that you have received. Because if you don't thank somebody for a gift, you're never going to get one back. That's just a, that's just a rule. Yeah. But it's paying attention in social media to things that people are doing or struggles they're going for or going through. Mm -hmm. And acknowledging and celebrating and thanking them for what they're doing outside of anything fundraising. Mm -hmm. Unexpected notes of appreciation now will separate you and your organization from everybody else because nobody's taking the time to thank them for their service for their community. Hey, I saw you volunteer for this organization that wasn't ours. But I just want to say, hey, kudos for being a team leader in your own community. We pay attention to that. And kudos uh, from our organization to you on being a great human being 
Mm-hmm. That recognition is going to set you apart from everybody else. And I think that old school writing and sitting down with a pen and paper and delivering or writing something through the mail is so important now. So important. It's so good. You are giving so many great, first of all, quotes and tips. And I don't know if you guys caught this, but you're going to have to rewind it because um, he gave you a script to have a conversation with somebody when you feel completely afraid to reach out to your donor. Like he gave you one of the most authentic scripts you could have. So go listen to it, write it down, practice it, tweak it so it's your own thing. But also this unexpected notes of appro- of appreciation now will separate you from other organizations. That is so powerful because it's true. Mm-hmm. I think people are looking for that authentic connection that we were looking for all along anyway before any of this started. Mm-hmm. But now it's so obvious when it's missing because everything has been forced to being online. Yeah. So now it's like this this overindulgence of social media because we need to be connected to people, but there's so much to be connected to mm. that we're burnt out from it. It is an oversaturation of content. And mm-hmm. to rise above uh, the noise takes a little bit more effort and a lot mm-hmm. more personalization in that effort. And I don't think you can just do it on a whim. I think you have to be very strategic with this. And, and I don't think before you know, we were forced online, you needed to be strategic about gratitude, right? You were just grateful for things. It yep. is not inappropriate to be strategic about who you think, what you thank them for, when you thank them, and how you get them that note of appreciation. I think it's very appropriate as an organization or as a person in general to be strategic about who you're thinking. And because that's Mm -hmm. going to lead to a meeting, to a conversation that then rises you out of this just blah, 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 talking. And now they're actively seeking you out. Mm -hmm. And that goes for sales too. I I really do think that this this translates well into sales as it Mm -hmm. does into marketing, as it does into fundraising. And just generally being a human being that can stand out in the crowd from your own personal brand is mm-hmm. going above and beyond and sending a text message that just says, Hey, I'm thinking about you today. Um, that's mm-hmm. great. And I'll do this a lot in, in trainings and we'll, we'll, um, if you'll indulge me if you're, your listening audience is sitting on their phone as yeah. well is open up your, um, text messages mm-hmm. and open it up and scroll down to the 20th person in your text message list. And right now, while you're listening to this, send them a note that just says uh, how much you genuinely appreciate them in life. Mm-hmm. Now, if you get to a Verizon bill or some sort of like text chain or whatever, don't do <laughs> right. that. But if it's a person, go up and down one and just send them a note. And two things that are interesting are going to happen here. One is the person that you send this to is going to go, oh my God, what's wrong? Is there anything, is there anything wrong? Right? Which is, <laughs> get back to that in a second. That's, that's horrible that someone's going to think that because we right. don't spend a lot of time randomly reaching out to people and saying, thank you, or they're going to go and ask, well, what the hell do you want? Right? Right. Nothing. It's random and, and great. And then they're crafting a response back being as genuine in, as you were. And then you've now started this wonderful chain of gratitude that just made someone's day for no mm-hmm. apparent reason whatsoever. Mm-hmm. And you get to be known as the person that reaches out and just says thanks and hi, and I'm thinking about you or congratulations unto you and this, this, and this. And I think that's just a wonderful thing that you could be known for in your mm-hmm. circle. That I'm so glad that you touched on that because 
you know, this year, my business partner, Rachel, and I have really been figuring out, okay, who are we as Rayma Team, really? What do we really want this rebrand to have been about? Where are we headed? Who's our ideal client? All these things. And I think within the heaviness of figuring out life and business in COVID-19, we lost a little bit of what we had originally wanted to do with with going forward as a new identity. And it got to the point where I had to find that joy of creating content online just to encourage people again, just to be that voice that lifts people out of all the darkness and the muck. Because I had turned it into this thing of what's going to help us get more people on our client list or what's going to help us get more revenue or what's the end game of this post. And I'm slowly finding joy again in just creating content to give tips, to give encouragement, and just to really embrace this nostalgic feeling of the fact that 2020 is a year to start over in new ways. And what does that look like and what does it mean? Because when you've been doing business for seven years and it's grown, but not to where you knew it could grow yet, Mm -hmm. it gets heavy. And I think there's a lot of businesses, whether they just started out this year or nonprofits even, where it's not the year that they anticipated on their P&L report. And if you focus on that, you can lose hope really, really fast. Mm -hmm. But if you start to realize why you did it in the first place what that means, how you can connect with people better. You're going to find your joy and kind of rejuvenate, like put put some life back into your purpose and the content you are creating so that it's not just out there to be out there so you can say you did it, but that it's out there for a purpose. Mm-hmm. And connecting I bet. with donors is yeah. like that. Exactly like that. And I bet you're finding or will find immediately that your response rate and your um, uh, business inquiries will pick up because of that purpose shift. Mm-hmm. And the same thing goes for nonprofits, especially if you are, if you're churning out content on uh, uh, and building a case of support Mm-hmm. for your organization rather than just repeating your mission statement, I think you're going to be in a better position to raise more money. And what I mean by that is your mission statement's your mission statement, right? It's like, hey, this is for the board's direction. Great. What you want to concentrate as a fundraiser or as somebody who works for a nonprofit, a volunteer, an executive, whatever that is, is you need to build and say to as many people as possible, give your case of support. Why on earth should I support you? Right? If I've got a thousand dollars, why the hell should I give it to you? Right? So yep. you give that as your main mission. And, and you talk about that first is your gift of X amount of dollars is going to do this, this, and this. And your impact is going to create this. That's way more important than repeating your mission statement over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. Because people are now tangibly associating whatever their gift is going to be with direct impact into the community. Mm-hmm. And so that, but that's dramatically different as a case of support. Why should I give to you? Think about it from a donor's perspective rather than what you need as an organization. Ooh. Donors don't have to give you a cent, right? Yeah. This is not about, this is not about the, the donors, um, uh, your organizations need to have. This is about the donors need to give. Position yourself in explaining or wondering what, as a donor, what am I looking for? 
right? Put yourself in the shoes of others and then craft your message and craft your content around that. Because otherwise you're mm-hmm. projecting what you need as an organization, rather what the donor and your donor base wants to give to and give for. Mm-hmm. You said something that I just, I, I have to go back and listen to it myself actually when this is put together because <laughs> I want to get it right. But you said, focus on the donor's need to give. That right there is a magical statement because people are looking for purpose in their life mm-hmm. left and right. I was just on a coaching call today with somebody who was realizing they're not quite sure what their purpose is. And people are looking for that. And this year is the year where so many people have been like, what is this all for? Why yeah. am I really doing this? Like, yeah. what is the purpose of this? And that shift in perspective of the donors need to give is a big one because it is a need for some, for, for most donors, it's a need. They need to know that their ability to make a lot of money can be more useful than just stuff, that it can actually go into sewing into somebody's life to make a difference, to make mm-hmm. a difference in their community, to mean something. Yeah. And that is so, oh, just good stuff, Patrick. Oh my well, gosh. And I'll, I'll, be, I'll be a little more um, r- radical in my statement, which mm-hmm. means if you figure out that the donor's need doesn't match with your organization, help them find one that does. Yes. Be the person, be, be audacious enough to say, listen, I know that your needs have changed. But here, I have got a couple of people that, or a couple of organizations that might fit your bill. Don't think of it as you're losing money. You're building a relationship with that donor who remembered that you didn't say, but you have to give me cash. You are helping them fulfill what they need to do, and they're going to remember you for that. You're going to be known as the individual or the organization that helped facilitate the good feeling that they now have. If you don't, if, if, if this person is like, you know what, I really, my, 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 my dog died and I really feel like my, uh, you know, destiny is to give to a, to a, a shelter, but you're not a shelter, but you know of one, be that person, be big enough and be confident enough in your ability as a fundraiser or in, as an organization to go, you know what, I've got somebody you need to talk to because their mission is amazing. And I hope that you find and be fulfilled with your gift. They're going to thank you for that. Remember that. And they're going to probably still give to your organization. I, I think th- there is a time for partnerships. There is a time to um, not be uh, divisive. And this is it. I think it has shown a lot of true colors of who people are this pandemic has. And I think this is the, the ones who are going to succeed out of this. The ones who are going to thrive are the ones that have built partnerships and collaboration and who have been confident enough in what they're doing the entire time and not hiding behind a defensive wall saying, you need to give me money or else, mm-hmm. period. I just think that this is going to be the time that everybody figures out who everybody else is. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. This is is one of those those topics where I think people can tell right away when you're genuine. They can mm-hmm. tell right away when all you're looking for is the money. And as a business owner, that can be a really challenging thing to overcome because you want to be able to 
you know, give your clients the best, give your community the best, but also you have to pay the bills. Mm -hmm. So sometimes that can be stress that doesn't need to be there because you're not making the proper choices to get rid of some um, unnecessary expensive so that you can free up your brain space to have the ability to think more about what your clients want and what they need. And so that's definitely something that can help with this. But that whole idea of being audacious enough to connect a donor to a different organization that might be a better fit. Wow. Who does that, right? Like who's thinking that way this year? Right, right. Because I think, but that's the shift. I think that is Mm -hmm. what's going to get you and your organization through all of this is finding your uh, tribe and being obsessed about them as Mm -hmm. much as as, as you can be. And whether that means, you know, losing a smaller donor or, or, I mean, I'm using air quotes to this losing thing. You're not. Mm -hmm. Um, You're helping as a development director and as a fundraiser, your sole purpose is to connect a donor with their passion. Mm-hmm. And if their passion isn't you, you still have an obligation to figure out how to do that. Mm-hmm. And I think the best fundraisers are the ones that acknowledge that this isn't just the right place and it's totally fine and letting them go. Same thing in the business world where you know damn well that you're going to find a client that's not a good fit. Mm-hmm dangling money in front of you, but you know it's not going to be a good fit. And the hardest thing to do as a, as a, uh, a business owner or a business person, especially in, the, in this realm that you and I work with, yep. is saying no and passing. Mm-hmm. Yep. Because you know that, the, that taking this is going to be an exponential amount of work for not a lot of benefit, not financially, but for the person that you're trying to help. Right. And that is a hard thing to do. But once you do it, it is the biggest weight off of your shoulder because you know you got them into a place that is much better than what you could provide. The best thing that ever happened to me recently within this COVID crisis was getting uh, fired from a client. Like a client mm-hmm. just said, hey, listen, I can't, you're not a good fit for me. Mm-hmm. I was offended at first. I go, no, I'm a good fit to everybody. And then upon further review, Absolutely, 100% Mm -hmm. right. And it was the most freeing moment ever because I got to watch her thrive Mm -hmm. rather than me chase and not providing what I could have done in the first place. Mm -hmm. And that is really what this year I think has all been. I've taken that and just in the back of my brain, that is what I've been preaching to myself over and over and over again. I could don't get into the situation again. Mm -hmm. Be proactive about it. Mm -hmm. I I love that you shared that because that that is definitely something that we have had to do from time to time. I I think in the entire history of coaching coaching primarily women over the last 7 8 years, I think we've only had to fire a client maybe maybe 3 times mm-hmm. that I can remember and one of them was this year and it just was no longer a good fit and you have to be okay with that and and it has to be done in a, in an honorable way yeah. so that you don't burn a bridge but also you're going to feel so like such a huge sigh of relief mm-hmm. after it's done that yeah. when it's when it's the right move yeah. the the loss of revenue for that from that person won't be felt because it's going to open up so much space in your brain and in your energy to be able to attract the right people, to be able to have time to work with the right people. I, I, I owe her a great debt because of her proactive, this isn't going to work for mm-hmm. us. And, uh, and it did. And it, it indeed opened up space and it indeed opened it up to clarifying 
what I will say no to or not pursue in the future, mm-hmm. which is also uh, uh, bucket filling because you don't have to mm-hmm. spend your time trying to research things you're not really good at. Stay in your, you know, not stay in your lane per se, but stay within your niche. Stay with mm-hmm. what you're good at. Um, yeah. Be great in this little uh, world that you know you're awesome at. And same thing in the fundraising. If you know that somebody has a giant gift awaiting you and they want a capital project to do it. Don't force feed them something that is not going to fit and, and, and fulfill them. Find somebody who has the expertise to facilitate that conversation. Yeah, it might cost you a little bit of money to do, and that's fine. There are brilliant people who do capital works all the time, but the stress that you will save yourself and the fulfillment that you will give your donor because of it is going to be exponentially better than you trying to struggle bust your way through it. And everybody's feeling bad about it because they don't want to say no and they don't want to not Yeah, It clears up the mud. It just, it's clear. Oh my gosh, Patrick, every time you and I talk, whether it's on your podcast or mine, I just feel like this is a must listen episode. Like, 20 times. You got to yes. just listen to it for re- on repeat all week long. So you have given, you have given like a coaching session in an episode <laughs> for not just nonprofits, but for any leader or entrepreneur out there, because uh-huh. we all need this, these skills. We all need to be reminded of these simple things that we have heard before, but have fallen through the cracks in the noise of, of content. So thank you for sharing that. Um, where can my listeners connect with you if they want to learn more about your book, your company, uh, and everything that is Patrick? Oh, yeah. You can go to uh, dogoodbetterconsulting.com. Actually, we just re- released a brand new website. So we just refreshed everything. Uh, all the content is there, links to you know Facebook and LinkedIn and Twitter and Instagram and all those good things. Um, you can also get a link there to uh, Do Good University, Y-O University. And I've got a bunch of free trainings and things that you can go on there and get you know, event help and uh, social media help and board help and all the kind of good stuff. And, and again, it goes back to that uh, abundance mindset where it's like, I'll give as much as I possibly can away because mm-hmm. a rising tide helps all ships and a better fundraiser across the board makes, you know, the world a better place. So um, connect with me, find me as well. And books on Amazon, Fundraise Awesomer. Uh, you can find that there too. And there's a link on our website there as well. Awesome. Thank you so much for the valuable uh, conversation that we had and the tips that were shared. I know my listeners are going to be like just devouring this. I'm going to have to listen to this and devour it again because this is stuff that I need to be reminded of myself. So if if we only had this conversation for me, I'm a happy person, but I know that it's helping at least one more person, but I'm going to go ahead and say it's probably helping handfuls of people that that listen to this. So thank you so much for your time. And Overcomers, I will be with you again next week with a brand new episode. Until then, may you be healthy, stay creative, and have a dangerous hope.